Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I am Stephen Ellis I'm Robert Wolfson And we of course are the gents Thank you for joining us Appreciate it. Thanks for coming back. Hope you enjoyed the last episode. So, Steve, we just had the heat wave. What did you do to keep cool? I didn't. That's <laughs> true. I think I just sucked it up. I really didn't find any, uh, well, I guess, fans, if you want to call that, doing something to, to stay cool. I don't know how effective it was. I hope you could find a fan because if you didn't, you couldn't buy one anywhere. They were sold out. Yeah, we, ha- we have our fair share of fans in the house, so it helps. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the old argument, right, it's especially in this part of the world. You want to buy air conditioning for the, you know, the five days that you actually need it. And during those five days, you think, yes, I definitely it's should. It's really worth it Yeah, for the five or six days. Yeah, exactly. It's actually kind of funny. I think that we're actually more well-equipped to be minus 30 for a couple of weeks than, you know, high 30s for a couple of days. It's yeah. really tough on us. It's true. Yeah, I've said to a few people, I, I don't really remember a time, certainly in my life, where we had those types of temperatures. I mean, low 30s, yes. High 30s, low 40s, no. And for consistently for a few days. Yeah, absolutely. And without getting the traditional late afternoon hailstorm that rolls through. Like, it was really nice for a few days, just blue skies. True. So good default there, Rob, for uh, for a conversation. Talk about the weather. Because <laughs> that's never happened before. No, isn't, isn't that like the easiest? The, talk about someone's job or the weather. Really easy. I think so. But in this case, it was actually noteworthy. It was, for sure. And at least we're not talking about COVID. That's true. Right? Talking about the weather is better than talking about COVID because that's become the default. That's true. Right? Yeah. And no more COVID. It's gone. Well, <laughs> Hey, Rob's not a doctor, just in case anyone was wondering. That's right. We hope it's gone. This is not a medical opinion. We've definitely gone zero to 60, though, in a, in a week. But that's, that's a good thing. We need to get back to normal. Although yeah. it seems kind of foreign. Yeah. Yeah, not wearing a mask seems very foreign. I was telling Rob, actually, that I, I went swimming for the first time in a year and a half. And it felt very strange. You don't think about some of the things you're not doing. Right. Until you do them and you go, wow, it's, it's really been a long time since I've done this. I'm sure we'll have many moments like that. Well, even simpler, just walking into a grocery store without a mask, you feel kind of weird. Am I allowed to do this? You feel yeah. kind of odd. But yeah, I almost feel like you're not wearing pants. <laughs> you know, it's, it feels so foreign and uncomfortable. It's like, you know, it's, it'd be it, before the mask things would be like if you forgot to put pants on and went in, you just feel that little bit uncomfortable. Although, Steve, knowing you, maybe you would go into a grocery store without a mask <laughs> and without pants just to see what people would do. That's something you would do just for a joke. Yeah, maybe in my younger days, Rob. I don't think I'd be doing that anymore. But <laughs> that's true. Anyway, we we digress. Um, we should get into we should get into the topic Hold of on. conversation today before put, we continue talking about. But put your pants on first. <laughs> okay, on. I didn't think you noticed. <laughs> I didn't think you noticed. I've been sitting at the table here. So, anyway, we digress now for real. Let's let's get on to uh, talking about our topic for the, for the day, and it's really a supplement or a follow up to our to our last episode. It is. And thanks again to the listeners. And we had the feedback and a few of the listeners out there wanted to know the difference between owning a mutual fund and just owning stocks directly and what the difference is between those two types of investing. Yeah, the difference and really 
should I be investing in funds or should I be investing in individual equities? So we'll address that today. And I think as always, the answer can lie also in the middle. Yeah, Robert, that's a great point. And I think overall, the decision is based on personal discretion. And the decision should be based around your own personal financial situation, your risk tolerances, and can often be made in consult with your financial advisor. So a great analogy, Steve, to use would be the difference between riding public transportation versus taking an Uber. They're both great. They're both going to get you from point A to point B. But when you take in public transportation, it might take you a little bit longer. You might not be able to get off exactly where you want to go. You have to go stop to stop. Whereas if you're taking an Uber, it's a bit more relaxed. It's just yourself. It might cost a little bit more money, but it's a bit more uh, efficient. Yeah, so that is a great analogy, Rob, and I think it draws some good parallels. Obviously, it's not going to be bang on when it comes to cost differences and so on. But again, it really becomes about sort of personal choice. And again, we talked about maybe doing both. There may be times where you take public transit where it it makes sense to do that. So, you know, just looking at it and saying, well, there's, there's differences in the type of service that basically accomplish the same thing. I think that's the best way to draw parallels between investing in mutual funds uh, versus individual equities and public transit and Uber. So I think the question really becomes what's right for you. So we obviously can't give you that answer on this podcast because we don't know who's listening. Obviously, we'll have those discussions with our clients and, and talk to them about what makes sense. But for the general listener out there that's looking to figure out what makes sense for you, uh, we can certainly give you some tips and some things to look for. And that's our goal today. Yeah, we've all been told to diversify your holdings, which will help reduce your risk over time. You can also accomplish the same goal by building your own individual equity portfolio. Yeah, so as we alluded to, essentially, you're able to get from A to B in both investment vehicles. So the question really is, what's the difference and what investment vehicle is right for me? And we discussed this in our previous episode that it's really all about critical mass, ultimately, if we want to think big picture. What's your overall net worth? What's your investable assets? And are you able to diversify effectively and cost effectively by owning individual equities? And I think, again, if you're able to do that, it is more cost effective. Uh, You are able to accomplish essentially building your own mutual fund, right, and diversifying uh, versus sort of the need to, to pool your money together with individuals that are in a similar situation. That's a good point, Steve. You mentioned something there, which is a good place to start. So from kind of a top-down perspective is the fees. We talked about management fees and mutual funds in the last episode. When you are building your own mutual fund, now we don't need to pay the fund manager at that company. So you're stripping out one level of fee. So you can reduce your overall investment costs by doing it yourself, by owning the stocks individually. Right. So let's call it point number one or benefit number one of owning individual equities would be more cost effective, generally speaking, right? Not everyone's fee is going to be the same, but generally speaking, it's going to be more cost effective to own individual equities versus a mutual fund. So we can, again, call that benefit number one to owning individual equities. And when you do tailor your own portfolio, Steve, you do have control over the sectors that you invest in. When you're buying a mutual fund, you have to trust that fund manager's picks and you have no control. So maybe you look at the portfolio Maybe there's energy stocks and you feel strongly against owning energy or gambling stocks or pick your sector. It doesn't matter. You, you can control to make sure you don't have exposure to those areas that you, for whatever bias you have with your own personal investing that you want to have in the portfolio. Yeah. And it, it could even be a company as well. You know, perhaps you work for a company 
and they laid you off, you might say, I'm never going to own their stock again, right? So you're able to have a little bit more control of what you own, invest a little bit more precisely. The other thing that I often mention to people is that when you're buying individual equities, it's a little bit more clear on the buy and the sell side. So you have an understanding of why you're buying it. Uh, you're watching it more closely. You're able to keep track of the news that's coming out on that particular company because you know what you own. And again, you probably own a, a reasonably concise portfolio. Uh, so, well, hopefully you do and don't have, you know, hundreds of, of stocks in your portfolio that you're trying to follow. So you're able to keep track of that and, and then, you know, you're, you're able to sort of take part in the decision making in terms of when to sell it if you're seeing things that, that suggest that should be done. So maybe saying just that you have a little bit more control would be fair as well. And also control is a great thing to mention, Steve, because also sometimes you want to control your asset allocation. And that's just, again, our fancy word for saying how much do we have in stocks, how much do we have in bonds, how much do we have in cash. And so when you're buying a fund, you don't can't always control that. Again, you have to trust the manager's discretion. But if you want to take control of that aspect and you want to have, for example, a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, if the stock market runs up a little bit and now you're overweighted on the stock side, we do what's called rebalancing and you can be really precise to make sure you're getting back on track with your desired asset allocation. Yeah, and looking at the positions you own and, and looking at it and saying, you know, do I, do I have positions that I can take profit, right? right. Uh, and that's a good way to rebalance your asset allocation. But at the same time, obviously, we suggest people take profit on positions. You may continue want to want to own that particular position, but you've got some profit built into it and it's a way to uh, take that profit. And it could be because you need some cash. So, you know, just to expand on that a little bit, there may be a major purchase that you're looking at making and you want to pull some cash from the portfolio. So rather than pulling it out of a fund where you're pulling it out of Everything. all of those positions, right. you're able to be a little bit more precise in terms of where you're taking that cash from. Yeah. And sector two, technologies run up. So let's trim some technology, maybe move it into financials or whatever. You can just be more precise with where you're taking from and where you're going to. Yeah. So let's just nail it down here a little bit and say that points two and three would be investing more precisely, for lack of a better term, and having a little bit more control. Right. All right, Rob. So in the same vein, right, in terms of investing precisely, looking at companies, if you have uh, certain specifications from an income perspective from your portfolio. Right. And there are lots of mutual funds that pay regular distributions, but those dividends can vary. And they're not they may not be consistent is a better way to put it because it's based off of the holdings within that portfolio. So as the manager internally is changing holdings, obviously the dividends and the income generated in that portfolio will vary as well. Versus if you buy something and just easy example, Scotiabank, you know that they're going to pay $3 and 60 cents a year as a dividend, which breaks down to 90 cents and a quarter. They need to declare it and, and it's widely publicized if they're going to make a change to those dividend numbers. So you know, and you can almost bank on the fact that you're going to get that reliable, consistent income on a quarterly basis. And of course, lots of companies as well pay monthly as well. So there's really lots of options for those investors that do need a reliable income stream from their investments. And a regular example of that is for clients in RIFs where they're taking a monthly RIF payment and we can really tailor the portfolio to supply that income requirement. Okay, Rob, so we'll call that Number four, Number four, right? Um, a reliable income stream or understanding and, and having a clear sense of what your income stream can be. Another point, Rob, that actually just occurred to me was 
when you're investing, sometimes you're going to look at a company and whether it's more of a growth oriented position that's going to generate a capital gain when you sell it or something that you're buying for more of that income stream or more dividend oriented. So that leads us into the fifth and final point we're going to bring up in terms of benefits of owning individual equities versus funds, and that's tax liability. So, so how uh, individual equities might be taxed versus uh, mutual funds. And, and also, I think it comes back to that flexibility piece as well. So they're all tied together, but certainly tax liability is something to consider when you're looking at the differences. And as you alluded to earlier, Steve, a lot of control when you want to incur that tax. I mean, tax is unfortunately a necessary evil. It's a good thing to pay when you're making money. You have to pay tax on your money. But at least you can control the timing of that. With a mutual fund, you don't know what's happening. And maybe you might get a surprise tax bill at the end of the year where the managers made some changes inside the portfolio and you're still responsible to pay the tax on those changes in your non-registered account anyways, not your RSPs, your TFSAs. But at least in your own individual portfolio with stocks, you can decide when you want to sell that stock and crystallize that capital gain. You do need to pay your taxes on your dividends along the way. That's a given, unfortunately. But at least you have some control over the timing of the rest of the tax liability. Yeah, great point, Rob. So those are the benefits, or some of the benefits anyway, certainly our views on it, in terms of the benefits of owning individual equities. Now, a lot of the things we said, we don't want that to be misconstrued as as being negatives on the other side for for mutual funds. So let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits of, of owning mutual funds versus individual equities. And the obvious place to start is diversification. And we have really touched on that. So being able to diversify a portfolio very easily with minimal capital, right? Depending on what the minimum investment amount is for, for mutual funds. But again, you're able to own a number of stocks and certainly more than you would be able to with a smaller amount of capital by investing in the fund itself. Yeah, you can buy some most mutual funds for a $500 initial investment and you're not going to go and diversify uh, a massive stock portfolio at $500. Yeah, and for that, Rob, you do get professional management, you get professional administration, you know, you get all your reports and, and so on. They're very well run, very well operated. And again, you're getting that for very minimal capital. Yeah, so I would say it's quite easy to go buy a mutual fund and get a diversified portfolio. Whereas one of the downfalls of building your own stock portfolio, you do have to do a bit more work and do a bit more research to figure out what you want to buy, how much you want to buy, what allocation. So definitely from an ease and simplicity perspective, mutual funds do have the upper hand. So a couple of points there, I would say number one would be Ability to diversify, minimal capital required, professional management, and ease of use. So we've kind of covered three points in one, but again, some some real positive benefits to owning mutual funds. I think another benefit, Rob, is really over time, you know, since mutual funds were introduced, we've really seen the, the product shelf, so to speak, expand. There are lots of options out there now. That's right. And you can also drill down by sector. You could do that in individual equities as well. But say if you wanted to just own healthcare, instead of trying to pick and choose which healthcare companies you want to own and where in the world to own them, you can just buy a healthcare fund and get the whole sector, again, with that portfolio, professional portfolio management and them picking the stocks to own in that sector. Yeah, Rob, and, and just to expand on that, I mean, the ability to invest internationally as well would be a benefit of, of owning mutual funds. It's difficult to do individually, 
right? We have ADRs, American depository receipts, where you're able to buy foreign companies essentially on the uh, U.S. exchanges. But other than that, it, it can be quite difficult to own uh, international equities. So just to make a point about owning both, and we, we touched on that earlier, uh, that's one reason you would look at owning both, right, is to get access to a whole sector, right, as opposed to just buying one company. So you might want to buy the whole healthcare sector, not necessarily just one pharmaceutical company. So you're able to do that by buying funds. If you wanted to invest in emerging markets, again, another way to do that would be to buy an emerging market mutual fund. So you can have your individual equity portfolio, and then you can have some funds to, to tick some boxes, right? And those boxes may be some international exposure, some specific sector exposure. Another spinoff way to invest in international equity, Steve, is the use of exchange-traded funds. Now, that's probably a topic for a whole other episode on its own. It's very similar to investing in mutual funds, uh, but at least you can get exposure to either international, a specific country, a specific sector. So there's many options. And as mentioned, that's a, a great uh, episode on its own. So ultimately, Steve, one of the biggest questions that we get when it comes to the decision between owning individual equity portfolio or a mutual fund, it comes down to risk. Yeah, that's true, Rob. And we've touched on a lot of points here, but really that is at the heart of a lot of the questions we get about mutual funds versus equity. So let's address that. And it really is quite straightforward. I think that you have to look at the investments on an individual basis. And when I say individual basis, obviously mutual funds are not individual equities. It's a collection or pool of investments. But looking at that fund and comparing that fund itself to the equity or equities you're looking at, comparing apples to apples, oranges to oranges. And I think where the question kind of comes from is that the diversification piece, and we talk about it as well, is diversification lessens risk. It reduces risk. So if I've got a mutual fund and it's diversified, haven't I just automatically reduced risk versus owning individual equities? And I think that's a fair argument. And on the surface, it makes a lot of sense. But the argument I always make is if you're comparing a junior mining mutual fund company with a collection, say you own two or three Canadian banks, you've got to compare those two things to each other and use proper measurements of risk to address that, right? Rather than just kind of looking at, at it from a surface perspective and saying that uh, one is more or less risky than the other. I think, Rob, to shed some light on what we do, I think just managing your individual equity portfolio tactically in a responsible manner and a professional manner really helps. You know, if you're just buying the hot stock and you're never selling and you're doing all those things that we advise against, then yeah, maybe it makes sense to be in a mutual fund portfolio. It, not that our listeners need protection from themselves out there and some of that decision making, but that professional, you get that professional management piece as opposed to making a lot of the decisions yourself uh, making emotional decisions, you know, some of the things we talked about, people making mistakes when it comes to behavioral finance, you know, that was, our, I think, our first episode, we talked about some of the mistakes investors make from that perspective. So just really having some professional management on the individual equity side, if that's the route you're going to take, I think it's really important. So hopefully that gives everyone some perspective, Rob. I, I know we didn't really answer the question, yes or no, or one way or the other. Well, I think as we already said, there's room for both. Yeah, absolutely. 
And if you have any questions about what's right for you, by all means, reach out to us. You can find us at our website, ellisfinancialgroup.ca. And on there, you can find our telephone numbers and individual email addresses if you want to reach out. We're happy to take a look and give you a second opinion on your current portfolio. That's right. Happy to spend a bit of time, get to know you a bit, and, and hopefully give you some perspective on an individual basis if it's still a question for you. So, Rob, uh, as I said, I think that wraps it up. Some benefits on both sides. Certainly some benefits uh, in investing in, in both. That's right, Steve. So we'll leave it at that. And as always, I am Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon.